Comics and Moms Are Not Funny, the podcast where we, two wannabe comics, interview comedians about the moms that influence them and their sense of humor. We will also chat about their favorite mom comedians and the impact they've had in the comedy world. I'm Jen Richardson. And I'm Christine Hall. Okay, here we go. So today we're here with Tyler Morrison, a stand-up comedian who has been featured on Sirius XM and performed the Ron Jeremy Roast, which is super cool. I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah ask you about that in just a second um and you can also keep an eye out for his upcoming uh comedy special too soon and check out his comedy label cottage comedy digital at www.cottagecomedy.com so ron jeremy (laughs) yeah (laughs) what's that tell us like tell us how you got involved like Would you meet him? Is he as sweaty as he looks? Like oh, very much so. Yeah, it was. Oh. Um, this it would have been two, uh, 2015, I think, is when it when it took place, and they it was in Toronto. But I had been doing, uh, you know, comedy roasts and stuff. They had this. Uh, there's a festival called the Dark Comedy Festival that uh, Rob Mayhew, comedian from Windsor, also uh, like you guys, he uh, started it in Toronto, and so they started adding roasts into it. The first one that they uh, did was the roast of Ed the Sock. And somehow (laughs) Rob knew that I could, that I was pretty good at roasting. So he put me on this one and it went really well. The next year it was uh, the wrestler, the Iron Sheik. Who's amazing lunatic. And so we did the roast of Iron Sheik and there was a pretty big, uh, you know, celebrity dais for that. There was, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. If you look, if you look at who was on there at the time, like Gilbert Gottfried was on, and uh, Tony Hinchcliffe, Brody Stevens, rest in peace, he was on the on that show. So there's all these like comedians from outside of that, uh, or from outside Toronto, some pretty big comics. And then I was one of the local, probably the only local comic on that thing, and it went really well. And then so the next year they, you know, it was just kind of, you know, they knew that they had to have me on it, and uh, I ended up writing for other people on the roast so i wrote material for ron jeremy lisa and the porn star from nail and palin <laughs> <laughs> and then i got i wrote for uh, dustin diamond screech yes, from yeah. i love screech and That's also awesome. um trying to think who else i wrote some a few jokes for uh andrew schultz so there's some some good uh you know, it was, it was a good experience. I, I wrote like a lot of material and then I was performing on it too. Wow. Um, a couple of people that I wrote for didn't do the, the jokes that I wrote for them and that didn't work out well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Justin> Diamond, uh, <laughs> he certainly regretted, regretted going, you know, off the cuff, but you know, he had some time in jail to think about it. <laughs> did, you have, did you have drinks with him after like, yeah, yeah, with everyone. Yeah, it was yeah. it was funny because uh, yeah, when when we met Ron, he was like really kind of like docile. I don't know what he was, what what his he must have been tired from the flight. That's what we're gonna go with. <laughs> <laughs> a little tired, <laughs> and then uh, but I ended up uh, going after the after the roast. We went to this bar just because like all these fans were kind of hanging around. Not me, but. Uh, Lisa Ann, and uh, she ends up going to the bar with Jarrett Campbell, who's a comedian from Toronto, and uh, Tom O'Donnell, if you've ever heard of him, really funny comic. And the three of us, we had a podcast at the time called The Rude Dudes, and so we were always, you know, 
going out everywhere drinking. So we go to this bar with her, and I'm thinking we got to do something here. There's supposed to be an after party, so I just call the brass rail and <laughs> tell them I'm with the most famous female porn star in the world. And so, you know, we're coming down there for an after party. They're like, oh, yes, Mr. Morrison. No one ever called me Mr. Morrison. Oh. <laughs> like, this is the only time I've ever got respect at a strip club. <laughs> oh so, so we go, we're like, listen, Ron Jeremy's coming down. You know, all these people are coming in. So we have like this VIP section and they're all, they all showed up and it was just a great party. And then afterwards we just go on, we, we wanted to go to, you know, do an after hours party. So someone just goes on the microphone and announces that Ron Jeremy's looking for an after party. Guy comes over right away. I have an after hours club. Bring your whole crew over. Free drinks. It was crazy. Oh my god, <laughs> it was, that is it a really was um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And Jeez. like the comedians who are on that, like a lot of them have gone on to be pretty big. Andrew Schultz and uh, Tony Hinchcliffe have really blown up. And uh, you know, I'm in my garage right now. But I think we're all, <laughs> <laughs> we're all locked down. <laughs> um, I uh, I really love your roast of the United States. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's so funny and so painfully true. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was an interesting show because, uh, yeah, you go country versus country, and there is like that competitive roast battle style to it. But all you know, you know, you're not not really making fun of the other person too much. Um, and in that particular scenario, I was against Miss Pat, who is phenomenal. She's just like she's one of the funniest comics that you'll find, like a true original with a really, really unique story. And she was a, she was probably the most popular comedian that was on the, that show. It was at, it was during just for laughs, right? It was at the festival there. So she was the one that um, kind of lent her name to the, the, the your hood is a joke show. Um, she, you know, by being, by her being on it, it helped give a lot of credibility to the, um, you know, to that show in particular. Yeah. And, uh, and it was cool. And they, they wanted to put me against uh, someone who was, you know, going to be, um, you know, they wanted to put me against the biggest comic on it. That's kind of how, how it was. But I they did, a, they did a pilot for Your Hood as a Joke, and I was the head writer for that as well, and I, and I was on it. So I had a little bit more experience, I think, with the, that particular show. Yeah. And Miss Pat had. She was I, – I don't know how much time she had to prepare for it or anything like that. So when she came into the show, I was just like very um, appreciative that she that she would even do it. Because you're anytime you go do a roast battle against someone, you're putting your reputation on the line a little bit. It doesn't yeah. really it doesn't really matter, but you are putting your reputation on the line a bit because you you know if you no one likes to lose. And uh, I knew I was a little bit more prepared. I just had more time and that. And I want it. You want it to be a good um, back and forth. Um, or you don't go back and forth, but it's you do your set, then they do theirs type thing. But uh, you want it to be overall good for the show. Yeah. And and I knew I was more prepared, so I won the coin toss, and I, I said I would go second because I think you know, depending on the level of you know how prepared you are, if you go first, there's no one set the bar. We're the first roast of the night, and uh, and I want I wanted her to do as well as possible, and uh, <laughs> Miss Pat just calls me right out she's like no you're going first you're going first <laughs> and she wouldn't let off and I'm like okay I was kind of like you know what's she doing here um so I said fine I'll go first and and I knew that it was you know I'm this I'm the straight white male bad guy I always look like the bully on every one of my rows 
but she was bullying me. So I said, you know, typical American always trying to bully people. And yeah. that shifted the perspective from the audience right away. I, I took it away from what the optics were and made it more about Canada versus America. And we yeah. were in Canada. So I felt I got the crowd on my side and that shifted <laughs> everything. And I was just set up to, to just go. And it, and I, it went, uh, as you can see online, it went pretty good for me in that situation but that was a you know it was a it was a great opportunity to be you know part of the biggest festival in the world and and go against a you know world-class comedian who i have lots of respect for and she's certainly very funny she had a great line uh on the uh which is even more applicable now given the the situation that's going on down there but she she said uh in, in the 1800s, Canada burnt down the White House. Could you all do that again? <laughs> it's not again. It's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, like, as good as you are at, like, being prepared for a roast and um, being able to do well when you are battling, do you enjoy yes. them? Uh, yeah, I do enjoy them. The, I really like the traditional style roasts, like what you see on Comedy Central. I love that format. Um, yep. That's probably my favorite a way to do it it's just so fun and you get to build a rhythm in your set that's actually why i do like your hood as a joke a lot too because it is uh just you know you get to build that rhythm that you would have in a stand-up set you do your whole set straight there's not the in the on roast battles they go back and forth one joke one joke i think that's yeah. kind of it feels like slam poetry a little bit when you're doing it like that um, um I've, i was only able to do one roast and i was like not even a year into comedy and it was just at like just before Christmas. And I remember like giggling the whole time I was writing. <laughs> like I was having the greatest time. And then when it's I actually time. went up to do it, um, I battled like some of them I liked and then some of them I felt bad. And then watching the other people was horrible. It was yep. hor like they were way more cutthroat because I was the newbie. So it was like, oh, I got to, you know, it was like a, a lighter dance. They were yeah. like, hard hitting. And I was like, ah. Like after that, I had to rethink comedy. I was like, am I, oh, am yeah. I strong enough for this? It's it's certainly you have to get into a different mindset. It's it's like going into a fight or something. That's so weird. Yeah. Like when I go in, when I was going in on the ones where I was the un, complete unknown on it, and I and I'm not a famous comedian by any stretch, but when the before anyone knew that I was good at roasting, and I, I'd be the only guy on the show that no one even had any clue who they were and but I, I always thought it would be it was kind of funny to go in there and like give zero respect to anyone <laughs> on the, board. the biggest bully on the block that's that was like my mentality no just to be the meanest like i have no respect for you how no I, doesn't matter how big you are you know how popular you are gilbert gottfried you're yeah. a legend I don't, I don't care and like i think on the on the iron chic one i went in and i i named off every comedian on the dais and all of their big like credits that they have and then i just go and i'm tyler morrison homeowner because <laughs> <laughs> i know they don't own houses <laughs> they live in little shoebox apartments oh my god <laughs> forget good. that like they're in the epicenter of comedy la and i'm <laughs> living in the middle of nowhere and but uh, yeah, it was it was just fun to do to do that type of thing and just give any give no one any respect because then you um it strips it all down right you bring everyone to your level or below um yeah you impose your role. so yeah. when, like you're presented with a roast you're like yep i'm i'm full on let's go yeah exactly no it's, it. 
I'm going right for right for the you know right for the kill instantly. And it got, it, it was interesting how it would it started out like that, and then the roasts I've kind of done since then. It's been you know once you build up a little bit of a reputation and people do know that you're like good at roasting, all of a sudden you go from being the guy who's opening up the roast, which is a sweet spot, to the guy who's like you're doing it. You're closing right uh, before the guy who's being roasted comes and does his rebuttal. So when you're in that last spot, and all of a sudden, and on these roasts, like no one was even going after me because I was like a nobody to them, and like so I'd go and just like get all these. It was basically getting free shots in on everybody. Yeah. <laughs> no one's really got anything to say about me because they don't know anything about me. But then once they know who you are, now I feel any roast I go in, people are dying <laughs> for me. Like so, I have to be ten times. More prepared yeah, they're, they're probably going to come for you hard now. Yeah, that's it. And I, and my my whole thing is if if I'm doing a roast, I, I leave no one untouched because the person that you leave that you don't say anything about, that's going to be the person that gets you, and you're going to be wishing that you had something. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I would be terrible at a roast. I'm such a little petunia. Oh yeah, it's, it's, I mean, yeah. You have to get you have to get into that mindset, right? Like some people can't take it. Some people can't do it. And you and you you have to be. I do feel like you have to be in the zone. Like I just was doing these uh, uh, online roast battles. I don't know if you saw them. They're called Coast to Coast Roast. Right. And it was uh, Mark Norman and Joe List were hosting them, and there was 24 teams, so 48 comics from uh, all across North America going head-to-head city versus city. And uh, we lost um, our first – we lost a couple. We represent Rob Mayhew and I were representing Toronto – and uh, we didn't really have the uh, we didn't have a local comedy club promoting it for us to to you know the region. So we're going up against cities that have a lot of fans out like online voting for them. But we lost to Minneapolis, and uh, you know they could use a win are. right about now. Look where they are now. <laughs> yeah, if it was two weeks before we would have destroyed them. But uh, yeah. <laughs> now, Minnesota. They could use a win. So um, I want to just, I want to bring it back to um, our podcast a little bit. Sure. So I'd love to know um, which moms in your personal life influenced you the most. Yeah. I mean, my mom obviously is an influence. Uh, She's just such a great woman and uh, always been so supportive of me. Like didn't really influence my comedy, but certainly was supportive and gave me a lot of uh, leeway and, and, you know, always uh always on my side you know laughs from the beginning like as soon as you said i want to go into comedy right there she was yeah my parents my parents knew that i was going to to go into comedy they and they i knew early on i knew probably at the end of grade eight that that's what i was going to gear myself so i was always um going towards that and uh that's awesome and they were deviated and so because they knew that i wanted to um yeah, they back they backed me a hundred percent and and have always been huge supporters and involved with my comedy festival and helping out with that and you know they're involved in uh, in all all aspects of my life they they've just been great supporters and my mom you know plays a huge part in that um, pro- my grandma was a big supporter of of me I love loved. Uh, you know, she, we grew, like, where I grew up in Bracebridge, I lived there for 13 years. She, my grandma lived in that town, too, so on my dad's side. So we're very close to her, and uh, she was a pretty funny, she's a character, right? So <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of... What's uh, something funny she 
like do you remember like do you have a, a vivid memory of something funny she did oh yeah yeah lots of stuff uh, <laughs> one probably i don't know this is this one always made me laugh is uh she, she she's she got into the internet very heavy uh oh, later <laughs> later on in her uh, grandma career and oh, uh, i love it <laughs> <laughs> and she Aww. she was always you know doing the the computer thing and the big thing was you, you she starts telling people what they got to do with their computers you know you have to defrag all the time i <laughs> just constantly giving advice that she's i forgot heard. about defragging you gotta defrag <laughs> you gotta defrag and uh, this is horrible i don't know how uncensored your podcast is it's but fine so this is back back in like the Napster days when people were downloading all these all these songs off Napster. It might have been LimeWire actually. And uh, I, there was a a guy from uh, I think he was from Chicago. He was like a musician, but he did some like comedy signs. His name was uh, Wesley Willis. He's like a, a schizophrenic. <laughs> he had oh some God. crazy songs. And one of the songs was called "Suck My Dog's Dick." <laughs> And I downloaded, I think I was in high school, and I downloaded it on my grandma's computer on LimeWire. And we're all sitting in the living room at her apartment, and she comes no. into the <laughs> she comes into the living room. The whole family's there, and she just her face is just white. She's like, who downloaded Suck My Doggy's Little Dick? <laughs> we're all the time and everyone knew it was me <laughs> but uh, yeah we had lots of fun with her and her computer her computer <laughs> she's always calling me to fix it too and like eventually I kind of got tired because there's always like something real simple you can fix but she she had a problem with her computer one day and it was the you know I got to take it into the shop. I got to take it into the shop. And this isn't one of those, you know, lap, it's not a laptop or, you know, an iPad or, you know, it was a, one of those big monitor computers with the monitor and you got to carry oh, the, the, the yeah, you carry it in like a Shetland pony under your arm. <laughs> so I go down to the computer shop with her uh, to take this thing in and uh, <laughs> the, the kids, the kid working there is like, what's wrong with it? And, and she doesn't really uh, want to say. It. I'm like, what's wrong with the computer? Just tell him. And she goes, uh, I forgot my password. Oh no! <laughs> I no. was like, oh, like I could have, I could have fixed this. And he's like, well, he's like, he was really nice, right? He's like, well, just if you just tell me what your password was, I can try and uh, you know get, get into the system. She wouldn't tell him the old password. <laughs> and I'm like, just tell him the password. She's like, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Oh just God. tell him the password. Oh she wouldn't tell him the password, right? So I go, why don't you tell me the password, and then I'll, you know, I, I know how to fix it, right? <laughs> she just looks at me. She goes, fancy pants. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the I kid hears it. it, right? The kid's looking at me like I'm such a loser, right? Because I <laughs> – so, yeah, we got fancy pants all set back up, and she was <laughs> – Fancy pants. Yeah. Really good computer password. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I think we'd be surprised by how many people actually use that as their password. <laughs> I'm going to change. Reason. Next time I need to change mine, that's what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Fancy pants with a Z on the end. Yeah. So, no, it was, yeah, it was always fun. Like, she was a character. And uh, one time, my, I guess it was her. What it, 
I don't know. It would have been her sister-in-law, Aunt Betty. Aunt Betty was something. I'd never really met her, but she, my grandma's like, we got to go drop off some Christmas stuff to Aunt Betty, and I need you to just, you know, take it up to her apartment. So I go up to the apartment, and again, I've never met this woman. I knock on the door. She's like, who is it? Like, it's uh, Tyler Morrison uh, May just dropped me off here to, to deliver some Christmas presents. She goes, leave it on the fucking doorstep. Okay. I'm like, whoa, like that was like really abrasive. So I'm like, all right, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy old bitch. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. Betty. Oh, yeah. She didn't want to see a, me. Those are my goals. <laughs> so I go down. I'm like, I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm like, tell my grandma what happened. She's like, oh, good. You got the right apartment. <laughs> <laughs> she just totally set you up. So, oh, yeah. She didn't want to deal with her, right? Then, uh, <laughs> I get a call. <laughs> I get a call like probably two months later. Tyler, we got to go down to Aunt Betty's apartment. I'm, I'm not going to Aunt Betty's apartment again. I'm not falling for this. She's like, no, no, it's all right. She's in the hospital. I'm like, okay. <laughs> we're safe. So, so we go down there. I'm like, you want to even tell me, like, do you want to tell me what we're doing here? We get there and she comes up with me this time. We, she has a key and we, we walk in. I'm like, what's going on here? I see like the phone is on the ground when she, like she fell or whatever, like the phone's still off the hook. I'm like, this isn't good. She's like, no, no, it's not what you think. She's like, here's a black garbage bag. I want you to fill it with every bottle of booze in this house. Aunt Betty's an alcoholic and this is a raid. So <laughs> and we clear this place out there is a trunk full of alcohol like bottles big bottles and uh and cases of beer and i remember like this is i i was probably like 20 21 uh, so this is a great haul for me and i'm like i'm like put this in my garage she's like ah 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 you take this and i keep this and she gives me the shittiest swill that was, <laughs> like she's keeping all the high end so. for herself, and I get the black ice. Like. <laughs> oh, I'm so yeah. gonna be somebody's Aunt Betty. <laughs> oh yeah, Aunt Betty twisted. I don't know if she's still here anymore. <laughs> I love it. Like she's a hot leave it mess. On the fucking porch. <laughs> yeah, leave it on the fucking porch and get out of here. Oh yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> Tell fancy pants to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh my God. That's good. I notice in your material you like joke about your wife a lot. I do joke about my wife a lot. It's yeah. uh I mean some of it like the old my older stuff uh was stuff maybe that carried over from like an ex-girlfriend like making meaner <laughs> <Yep>. stuff. <laughs> my wife always thought it was funny. She knows it's just the act and yeah. uh it's always, I don't know, I find it funny to push people's buttons. People are very uh, reflexively defensive of certain things. So if you can push a button, it's it gets people going. And if you're not afraid to just say something that's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I always have a good time with that. I like that too. Like that, you were at that dark comedy festival. So yes. um, that's pushing a lot of buttons, right? Like, uh, yeah, the, I mean, do I don't really s- change my act at all. Like, it's just, yeah, I was just gonna <laughs> ask that. I was like, do you have to switch into a different gear? Or are you just I like, think, no, I think if you book the right comedians for that theme of show, that they don't even have to change what they do, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's kind yeah. of, if you're funny, you're funny. And if that's 
you know, comedy is kind of our language. And if you're, if that's the gear that you're in, you know, then that's the best way to do it. I, I can, I can do clean stuff and I can do the CBC thing, but, mm-hmm. uh, but ultimately my humor is uh, eight out of 10 jokes are going to be edgier than not. That's kind of how it is. And so when I, when I'm writing my material, if I come up with something clean, I'll, I identify that right away. And I just put it in my clean file. I don't. I love uh, it. Clean dirty. I don't. I don't go out and try and write clean. And yeah. I don't go out and try and write dirty. I just write. So yeah. that's everything's a hundred percent authentically coming from me. And then you know, I think if I was to go and write, clean, try and write clean, I have the discipline that I could. But it's also I'm swimming a little bit upstream. The second I try and start writing clean, I write like the most offensive, dirty jokes and stuff that I wouldn't even read in my life. <laughs> it works its way in. Yeah, it's actually rebel against yourself because that's where where my comedic instincts take me into like a dark zone. Oh my gosh. Okay, so the the (laughs) festival. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go. The Dark Comedy Festival was like labeled dark comedy. Everybody that was going to that festival knew what they were getting into, right? You ever find that like when you're doing your regular stuff, if it's dark, that there's more like sensitivity in the crowd? Yes, yeah, there is. And and for. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think how to explain it because I've been doing stand-up for 17 years. So when wow. I started, it was a little bit more – I'd say it was less PC aware. The audiences were more into um, dirtier, edgier stuff, and you didn't really have to think about it. And then there was the um, – I'd say probably about 2011, 2012, things started to change a bit. And I felt like maybe jokes – maybe jokes that were maybe they weren't great jokes or maybe they weren't delivered with the right um, charisma or the right time in my act or whatever. They wouldn't get the pop that they used to. And so I had to like adapt and become better at at delivering that style of comedy, which is great being able to adapt. I don't mind like a political correct pushback because it's nice to, to lean in against it too. Right. Yeah. Because ultimately, we're all just trying to connect with our audience. And then my my thought is, you know, I want to connect with my audience, but I want to take them as far as I can, right? And I, yeah. the, the further I take them, the further I'm actually drawing them to where my comedic sensibility is. Yeah. So I do come out of the gate a little bit, you know, and test them. And then I'll, you know, go into some more relatable stuff. I, I do have a lot of stuff about, you know, my kids and family stuff mm-hmm. that I, I think at the right time you can shift the gears. And if, if you, if you only have one gear, I think that's where you get in trouble in comedy right now. I think you should be able to work uh, clean. I think you should be able to work dirty and dark. I think you should be able to, as a comic, I'm competitive. I want to be the best at every level of comedy. Yeah. So, and I want to be able to kill any way you want it. I mean, and then if it's my show, then I'm going to do it exactly how I want to do it. But if there's restrictions, I can, you know, play within those guidelines. And, yeah. or if I just, you know, when you're doing the clubs and it's not build a dark show and they yeah. don't know who you are, you have to relate to them first and uh, get them laughing. And funny is always number one for me. It has to be funny. It has to be funnier than it is edgy, funnier than it is offensive. Yeah. That's the key. If it's not, I then like it. trying to prove something and really what does that do? Yeah. Yeah. And it, but it's also true that like, it's amazing what people are offended by these days. Like I, I did a joke about how men like 
men often are like jumping into the shower right after they take a shit. And then I pointed <laughs> at a bunch of the men being like, he does it, he does it, he does it. And this girl got so offended that I pointed at her boyfriend oh. that he needed to shower after he takes a dump. And like, she would like just sat there like cross armed and angry through the rest of my set. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but it's true. Like, that's what he's doing for the first half hour before he jumps in the shower. You you caught her eating ass. <laughs> You're right. Was it the girl with pink eye in the front row? <laughs> so great segue. Which, uh, which sitcom moms influenced your like influenced your life, your humor, that kind of stuff? Hmm, that, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know if any any of them really influenced my life. I don't know. I I always liked uh, Patricia Richardson from uh, Home Improvement. Okay. Oh yeah, remind me a bit of my mom. Like yeah, I, I love Patricia. Um, obviously Roseanne is hilarious. That blue collar, not giving a fuck. That's yeah. maybe more influential to my comedy than I than I know. You know what I mean? Maybe I yep. up on that just. I, I respect that vibe, right? I, lo I love Roseanne. Uh, Katie Seagal is so funny and married with children. Oh, and yeah. Even the, like the opening credits, she's smoking a cigarette, making a salad. <laughs> Roseanne and Katie Seagal really broke the mold in the sitcom mom department because sitcom moms were always such like, um, oh, you know, the straight man, straight woman type thing. They're always yeah. the anchor for the for the man to go around and make making the jokes other than uh you know i love lucy and there's probably a couple others um, yeah uh you know exceptions to that but those two were so those are such big sitcoms and th that was a major part of it you know the fact that uh they that they got their they got their jokes in just just as good as everyone else or more yeah i was actually just reading an article about married with children today and i forgot how much i loved that show like, so, it, it's, it's so good. And I was watching an episode of Modern Family and um, what's his name? Al Bundy. What's his real name? Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. He did something on the show where I was like, oh, there's a little bit of Al coming out. Like, <laughs> like they'll always oh, have amazing. a hint of Al Bundy. And like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, a, it's an excellent show. And uh, it's certainly the way that it, it, um, it kind of roasted everyone and everything. It's it, it would be mm -hmm. interesting to see how to watch it today would be really funny because it's it's got that uh, nothing is taboo style thing that all in the family had. And yeah, the, the neighbor would. Do you guys remember the lady yeah. neighbor that would come over? Yeah, I can't oh, yeah, Marcy. Marcy. She would be named Karen now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Karen. Oh, absolutely, Marcy. Karen. <laughs> My favorite was, is. Jefferson Darcy. He's oh yeah, yes. So good, just such a boy toy. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. That's me. My wife's she 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 runs the show around here. <laughs> I'm doing my podcast in the garage <laughs> with the mice. But, yeah. With the mice. <laughs> it's kind of Walt Disney-ish. <laughs> yeah. Or or uh, of mice and men. <laughs> Um, so which stand-up comedian moms are you the biggest fans of right now? There's a few uh, that I really enjoy. Um, Christina P. 
I love Christina P. If you haven't seen her, she's got a special on Netflix, and she's hilarious. She hosts uh, Your Mom's House podcast with Tom Segura. Okay. Um, that's, they're married. And she is just so, so funny. I, I don't think I'd even seen her until like two years ago. And I was like, wow, she's funny. I really like her. Um, Bonnie McFarlane is great. She, I don't know how, like how much stuff she does about being a mom. She does a bit, a uh, bit of stuff. She's really dark and funny and, and great. Uh, Can- and she's Canadian as well, but she's based out of uh, New York. Um, and then Canadian comics, Kate Davis, if you've ever seen yes. Kate, she is one of the best. Um, mom comics. She's got a lot of funny stuff about her kids. And uh, Fiona O'Brien, I'm a big fan of. Have you seen Fiona before? I haven't. So Fiona O'Brien is from uh, Ireland, and she came over to to uh, I guess she lives in Oakville, and uh, so she started comedy six or seven years ago, and very funny. She's got three kids, and uh, she was going through a divorce, and she started stand up comedy. And I just, I actually got got the opportunity to work with her uh, producing her stand-up album. It's called Magically Malicious, if you get a chance to oh, check yeah. it out. It's really funny. She went viral on TikTok a couple weeks ago. Like, it's it's going great for her. That's awesome. Um, she's going to be on, uh, like, a bunch of the Sirius XM channels in Canada and the U.S., which is, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just great to see someone who, she started comedy a little bit later than what, you know, most comedians start at. And she's having a lot of success. And I guess, yes. Christine, there's yeah, I started, <laughs> I was 43. Okay. Yeah. No, I've yeah. only been done one year so far. I'm doing great. That's I'm okay. doing great. <laughs> That's okay. Because when you start, um, you know, like I started when I was 18 and I had nothing to talk about that was interesting. But when you start at a stage in life, when you have a little bit of experience, you know, and you're, you're all, they're all, you're always more poised, I think. And, and you have a little bit of a, a leg up, whereas young people that don't really know themselves, they take a little bit, you know, the first five years, you're kind of spinning your wheels. If you're, uh, if you start when you're like a kid. Yeah, it so. would be hard. Yeah, that's no, you. Although stayed, I do see a lot of the young people so confident, and I'm just like, dang, I like, I need more of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't really interesting until my 30s. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I was drunk till. Me too. Yeah. I don't even remember the 20s. Yeah. <laughs> There's about five years I remember, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Someone was always putting me to bed. <laughs> Yeah, like I was partying a lot. I didn't read the news. Like I was totally disconnected. Oh. Like, yeah. I, Did you start in Windsor? Like, start doing? I, it I technically started in Toronto. I did the Second City Stand Up course. Okay. And, and then I did the student show. And then I took a really long time off um, because, like, I had that period of life where I got married, bought a house, got pregnant. Yep. And so I took and I was commuting from Bowmanville to Toronto two hours or four hours a day. So like there just wasn't headspace. Yeah. Then yeah. But I, I tried to do it again when I was on mat leave and I bombed because I was in like I hated the world at that point. And I wasn't <laughs> like it wasn't a funny hateful. It was just a hate hateful. It was just a spewing. Yeah. It's really hard to change your emotions that you're yeah. feeling off stage when you go on stage and, and it can, especially like even, you know, even have, after having done it for so many years, I still have trouble turning, turning that valve off and just putting on the show and smiling through it. If something's going off, not well off stage, it kind of can creep in. And I feel like with the type of material that I do, which is 
a little bit uh, rough around the edges. I I don't want to be in an angry mood. I got to be having the best time ever. Yeah. I'm bored with it. <laughs> so so yeah, when it when it uh, when, when the the attitude from off stage comes on, yeah, it can be right? It was painful. Um, and then I, I got back into it again this year. But before mm-hmm. that, I had um, I had an observational humor website called Jen Talks Too Much. Okay. Which, like, that was where I did most of my writing. So, yeah. and it was only, like, it was only recently where I was like, I want to get on stage because that's what I've always wanted to do. And now that I'm in my late 30s, I have the confidence enough to do it okay. <laughs> because I'm like, who cares? If people don't laugh, mm-hmm. they don't laugh. It hurts a little bit, but at least I'm out there. At least I'm trying and saying it and yeah yeah it's uh, getting getting as many reps under your belt as you can is is so paramount and and maximizing your time you know where you can write and work on your writing and just refining that skill when you're not Mm -hmm. on stage any chance you know that's that's the key right because i when i moved up to back up to muskoka people said you know i'd never be able to to make it in comedy if i was living up there and uh you know I knew that I had to do something to um, to bridge that gap, and that was you know the, of not being able to go on stage every night, and it had it had to be in writing and and uh, you know making the most of every time I'm on stage. You really appreciate the stage time a little bit more too when you're not living in the city when you yeah. actually drive to a place to do it. Yeah. Do you miss that though? Like you're not able to go on the stage. Like, you, or no. are you okay? Does the writing balance it out for you? Well, I, fortunately, fortunately, like I'm at the stage where I get to when I'm when I am performing, I'm headlining, so I get to do 45 minutes to an hour oh, each nice. show. It's you know three or yeah. four, five on a weekend, depending on where you're playing, and so I you know that kind of makes up for it. And but because of the my how I've been able to to refine my writing, I usually know before I go on stage that if a joke is going to work. So it's just like I don't necessarily have to do those open mics unless I'm doing um, some material that I think is a little bit outside of what I normally do. If I'm trying to stretch it out. Yeah. If I'm trying to stretch my, uh, uh, my style a little bit, you know, maybe go into a bit more storytelling. It's not, I tell more, I do more setup punch normally. So if I'm going into some storytelling and you don't necessarily know where the the big hits are going to come. So that's maybe where I'll use the open mics. I had one, they used to do at this Fox Lounge in Barrie, and it was awesome because that the, was the closest to where I live, and I'd be able to go up every week pretty much and any time I want and, and work on stuff, stuff and they give me time to stretch my legs. But now that that's not happening, it kind of mm-hmm. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are I missed, you doing I missed my five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that's all we got. Five. We got six minutes. Oh, yeah, they did up it to six. <laughs> I find though six is a it's a big difference because I find like it gives you that extra time to wrap up because five mm-hmm. minutes just isn't enough. It goes by so quick, but if yeah. you can get really good, I mean, most comics that get anything in this country only got six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Shots so, fired. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, okay. I would like you to do this rapid fire. Perhaps you prepared, perhaps not. But I would love to know that your top five favorite moms could be historical, character, or real. 
Okay, I gotta go all real. Okay. My mom. Oh, no, no, no. Your mom and your grandma, you already talked about them. They're not included. Okay, they don't count? Okay, a lot of good brothers. I'm gonna go with my mother-in-law, Sharon Fawner. Love you, Sharon. Obviously, uh, just a great influence in my life. Very, very awesome person. Uh, my wife, I gotta talk about my wife. She's a great mom. Mm -hmm. She is the anchor of this whole ship. Um, definitely, definitely an inspirational person. Um, Jenna Morrison is her name. Um, then I'll go with uh, my grandma on my mom's side, Virginia nice. Chirot. She is wonderful. <laughs> yep. Very, very excellent, kind, caring person. Yep. Um, just, yeah, just great. Um, and then I'm going to go with, uh, I mean, there's a whole bunch. I, now I feel like if I go outside of that, I'm, I'm going to be leaving people out. But I got to say, um, a couple people that I'm going to go with two, two moms that were big, big helps in my comedy career that I just really uh, think are great people. Carol Rigby, my my best friend, Warren Rigby and uh, and his brother, Clint, their their mom. I got, they I, they let me stay at their house. Um, so I lived with them for a while and they're just excellent people. And uh, Peggy Dabrowski, my other best friend, Wade's mom. Uh, I lived at their place for a while as well. And just, you know, super supportive people. Um, as I was coming up in my comedy career, and I wouldn't uh, be able to have the opportunities that I that I do have today if, if I didn't have people like that that helped me out. And there's obviously a whole bunch of other uh, wonderful moms that have uh, been supportive of, of me and my career, and, and I apologize for leaving them out, but sorry. <laughs> so many people struggle with that question. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, ah. Yeah. And then they'll turn it on us, and we'll be like, ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, it's just I. I have so many people to thank. It's now, it's, you yeah. know, I don't want to go into an Oscar speech. So your wife, is she funny or does she just have a great sense of humor or like a combination of both? She's funny. Yeah. She's got a dark sense of humor or she wouldn't be with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, you know, she, she definitely can, can make fun of me pretty good. Does she, and, uh, does she ever get frustrated with it? Is she ever like, okay, enough, enough? Oh, she hates, you know what? <laughs> she, hates, I, she hasn't laughed at one of my jokes in years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't do anything, I can't do anything childish. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of eye rolling. Yeah. Well, she's a teacher, right? So, and she has, uh, and, and obviously we have two, we had two kids. So, um, you know, she's got enough kids in her life. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't need me being immature. She sometimes just wants me to be a normal person, and that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> when um when you were growing up, were you that kid who was like uh, who, who like burned all of his friends all the time and like did? I, I used to know. burn GI Joes in the back. <laughs> I can see this. I feel this. <laughs> uh, yeah i live in the old the neighborhood i grew up in actually and i i know where every gi joe is buried in this hood. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but uh no there's uh yeah I've, I've always you know humor became definitely a weapon for me i was i was a smaller kid and uh you know in a small town like people are relentless i i used to get in a whole bunch of fights and stuff and i have a podcast called fight stories now probably because of that <laughs> but like it's way better if you can just put someone down with a joke and then disarm them like that's yeah. you don't have to fight someone oh that's great 
<laughs> or sometimes you say something and then they want to kick your ass. So, oh. <laughs> Maybe I miscalculated it. <laughs> having like loosely known two of your cousins, um, yeah. they're both very funny. Oh, they're hilarious. The Taylor boys. Yeah. Oh, so funny. Yeah. Different which, sense of humor. Too. Which grandma? Uh, my my mom's side. So my uh, Virginia Tarot. Yeah. The, on that. And uh, yeah, they are, they, they're they all funny. Brian Taylor's the funniest. Oh, Sorry, yeah. Brian. Brian yeah. Taylor's the funniest guy. I don't know. Like just out of anyone, but he's got a quirky sense of humor. It's totally different than yeah. anyone else that I've ever seen. Um, it's... I don't think it would translate itself onto a stage, but like the stuff that he does, someone came up to visit him. I, I, I hope I'm not butchering this story, Brian, but someone came up to visit him. Uh, I think he was in Sudbury going to, to school there and he just dressed up like Waldo and was like hiding. Oh my, all God. Oh my God. Like just very, very funny like that. I did that once while intoxicated in my apartment with my friends. <laughs> and I hid behind like our big tree. <laughs> Oh yeah, he's just uh, no that guy. That's that guy awesome. makes me laugh very yeah, hard. Yeah, sounds like a show. He needs to be on a show, not on a stage. Oh yeah, if you could like we need a show, into, I'd watch like, that. Like Nathan Fielder style, um, cerebral <laughs> comedy. Yeah, really, really funny guy, yeah. but like naturally funny. He'd make you laugh all the time. Yeah, yeah. and the other guy, and, and the other brothers are all funny guys too. So, um, so. I know you already told us a story about your grandma, which was absolutely hilarious. But like, <laughs> can you think of the funniest thing a mom besides that story a mom in your life has done? Oh God, I don't know. Create me. That's mocking <laughs> <laughs> my mom for years. <laughs> you know what? It's tough. I don't know if I can think of anything off the top of my head though, like like that. I, just, that, I don't know that they made you belly laugh. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't. You got me on that. What about one. your wife? My wife. I'm sure she's done something that has made you laugh so hard to tears. Oh God. Um, no, I just always she makes me laugh in general. Like I don't know if it's like makes you happy. Me oh, just I just think it's funny that she's like the sweetest, like nice person, but she'll be getting in fights in the dollar store park. And every time she goes to the dollar <laughs> store, she gets in fight. She's trying to get I want to hear one. Tell me one. Just give us one of those stories, please. Oh, just a, some, she accidentally stole someone's parking space and this guy was like yelling at her. She like, you know, she gets into it at the dollar store. That's the, <laughs> I love, she's the dollar she's store brawler. Cheap gates, and uh, that's, you don't mess with them at the dollar store. This is another, <laughs> this is another show I would like to watch. <laughs> Oh God, I'm going to get bombarded by teachers for saying that. You, you know, got to get those pipe cleaners on sale. Eh? Got to get that finger paint discounted. <laughs> but that's how, you know what? That's the thing. People, you know, go after teachers and they're obviously before the whole COVID thing. Uh, Doug Ford's really repaired his image during this. He's done a good mm -hmm. job during the uh, pandemic, but before that, the shit that they're doing with the teachers, yes. you don't understand. Like, my wife is fighting people at the dollar store for your children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> Yeah, and it's on her time. On her yeah. time, and you're done. Yeah. And then she's going home with it, and yeah, it's a big job. I uh, have a, I, I have a. Like, I guess a bleeding heart for teachers. I'm the first woman in my family not to be a teacher. Okay. Uh, so, 
like huge failure then. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Like my my grandma was a teacher. My aunts are teachers. My cousin is a teacher. My mom was a teacher. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, it pains me to see what has happened to them. And, but Doug Ford has repaired his, his image a bit. Like he is doing a great job in terms of the pandemic, except for the fact that like some lifelong conservatives, I know they're like, because of the nursing homes, they're like, they're like, that's it. I'm done. With Doug? Yeah. But the whole party for now until like a shuffle. Because they brought the military into the nursing homes? No, because of how how because how they defunded them so much that they were oh. in this state of yeah. where you Funding, know so yeah. many people unnecessarily died because there wasn't enough money to take care of them. And so yeah. very yeah. true. Well, I, I just hope, you know, if he's gonna continue on that this is uh we see a little bit more of uh the Doug Ford we're seeing during the pandemic, after the pandemic. If he goes back mm-hmm. into the old Doug Ford mode. It'll be kind of a waste. He's, but I, I'm hoping this is his Ebenezer Scrooge moment. Where yes, just, it could the be the ghost of asshole future. Yeah, <laughs> buy, buy us a turkey. Doug and Ebenezer Scrooge. Doug and Ebenezer Scrooge. I was in EA for a while, for about okay. four years. Yeah, and uh, I was in where they were like going to be doing walkouts and stuff like and work to rule. And I just found like I loved working with the kids, loved it, mm-hmm. but all of the politics were heart wrenching to me, and I couldn't I couldn't get my head around it. It was just too much for me. But like all these people that want to go out and innocently like you're a kid and you want to go help others, you know, or they have the dream of the teacher. A lot yeah. of them are oh, it's just wild that they how hard that is to get to those kids like how hard that is it should be so easy right it's just like oh, yeah. a, a really rough route i you know what like yeah i, I couldn't be a teacher i i'm a i don't know i'm just too big of an asshole oh my god i was i was like a the class clown as an ea it was yeah. bad i had to get out i had to get out i was like i just went in there and i was like hi everybody <laughs> they were like christine get in line with the kids get in line we're, we're trying to calm them down they brought me in to do a seminar about comedy for these like troubled youths and these kids oh, wow. were, like, there's just one kid that was just a little bastard in there right and uh <laughs> he was you know he was he was the he was definitely the biggest shithead in the group and, uh, <laughs> there's always one and so it, it was it went fine or whatever but he was i could tell he's a punk and then i'm i'm driving my car and uh who like this is like probably like six months later and look out the window. I'm at a red light and I see him standing there with all of his buddies acting cool. I just rolled down my window. I'm like, Hey Reese. And then he looks over. I'm like, fuck off. Fucking Reese. man. You should have a, you should have cameras follow you. This could be another show. I don't need cameras following me. They're... <laughs> How old are your kids? Uh, good question. Let me ask my wife. I know. Uh, <laughs> my husband oldest, to this day doesn't know their birthdays. Our oldest is five and uh, youngest is two. Oh, this is a yeah. fun time. 
A little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it feels like, it feels like you're It is hard, yeah. but it goes so fast. I'm telling you, everybody would tell me that, and I'd be like, shut up. You have you go clean out that van. You tell me that it's like, hold on to the memories. But it's young, uh, it's really fast. The youngest one, if I like, if I say something to her, I know that she'll like she'll parrot it. So I've been oh. trying to trick my oldest one into thinking that I know Jedi mind tricks, and I can make the younger one say whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> so we're having a little fun with that. But <laughs> so your wife actually does have three kids. Uh, two. No, yeah. three. She has three. Just three. He's doing Jedi mind tricks again. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> um, so um where where could our listeners find you? Like like your social handles. Yeah, I'm uh, at Tyler Morrison one on Twitter and then at Tyler Morrison one two three on Instagram. And then if you like Facebook, I got a Facebook page and my website, uh, nothing's going on on the old or on my personal website right now, just because of the, uh, no, no live dates. But if you go to cottagecomedy.com slash shop, you can get all my comedy albums and specials are available there as well as, uh, some of the albums that, uh, that I've you know, been a part of as a producer. So we have on, Cottage Comedy Digital, we produced an album by Mike Wilmot, who's one of the best comedians ever in Canada. Uh, we just pr- produced uh, Pete Johansson, his new his new album. Um, it's called Passive Aggressive Suicide Boy. It's a great title. <laughs> Pete's got his own special on Netflix. Uh, Jared Campbell, Straight White Fail, we produced that. And uh, that's nominated for a Juno Award right now. And uh, the one that I mentioned earlier, uh, Magically Malicious, uh, Fiona O'Brien. So th- all those are available as well on cottagecomedy.com. So that's uh, one of the, you know, a few of the different projects that I've been working on. Um, some of them during the pandemic. That's awesome. And before we go, I, could you tell us a little bit about, I obviously, or maybe not, obviously it's probably not happening this year, but tell us about the cottage uh, country comedy festival. Sure. Yeah. Cottage Country Comedy Festival. We started, um, God, this would have been, our, I think this would have been our 13th year of the festival. So we started when I, I was 23, um, when I started doing the festival up in Muskoka. And we usually do it uh, in May. We do a big event up at uh, the Rosso JW Marriott Resort. Yeah, I've stayed on, there. It's nice. It's beautiful, right? Yeah. It's, yeah, they're just they're just such great people. And it's a great, uh, great place to stay and great place to come see a comedy show we do the big ballroom we do a gala there every year and then we do regular shows at the thirsty judge in bracebridge which is a bit smaller venue and uh it's right on the main street uh across from the movie theater so we do regular shows up here um throughout the year and then we do our festival weekend and yeah we'll probably we'll see what's going on with the pandemic we we just you know we want it to be um we want it to be safe for everyone and the whole, you know, what you're supposed to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All the stuff you're supposed to say is a business, but, but, but yeah, we want, when, when things are back, we'll definitely be, definitely be back doing shows and, uh, and bringing some, some great comedians up here. And it's a, it's what a great place to come up and catch some, some yeah. comedy, but also make it a vacation too. Yeah. It's gorgeous. there. It's the most beautiful place in Ontario. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Or yeah, at least tied with a few so. other places because there are some other gorgeous places too. But I love Muskoka so much. National Geographic ranked it number one tourist destination in the world. Wow. Oh, that is big. <laughs> Had nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you, how do Canadians get um, stage time in the festival? Um, well, yeah, people just can send us a uh, clip to cottagecomedy at gmail.com. And uh, if they send us a video of their standup or, you know, if they, it, it could be something different. We mostly do standup, but if, you know, obviously open to all different types of comedy and uh yeah if they send us a clip usually i'd say seven minutes is a great seven to ten minutes is is uh a good amount of time for a video but we check it we'll check it out and yeah it's you know if you fit what we're doing and because we got shows throughout the year too we're always looking it, there's no deadline on when you could submit you can send stuff at any time because we have shows throughout the year awesome yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was thank really you. fun. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I was glad that uh, that, that you got in touch. This this was great. Yeah. Well, have a good Tuesday, and I don't know that when this will go live, but it will well, happen soon. <laughs> we'll let you know. Let me know. I'll share it out through all my uh, all my avenues. Okay. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Moms Are Not Funny. We want to thank Laura Vella for our logo design, CMD Productions for audio editing, as well as each other and you, the listeners. We would love it if you could give us a review wherever you're listening, uh, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or some other places, because it'll help us increase our ranking. So thank you in advance. And you can also find us on socials at Moms Are Not Funny, uh, be it on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Once again, this is Moms Are Not Funny, and we love you.